Yeah, we, we just have to find that unique, experience. that unique experience. I have a, I have a dealership up north that has a fish and chip um, hut, I guess, more of That's like, smart as hell. And, and it's on, it's on the lot. And, and, and the awesome. funny thing is, it, they're known for having the best fish and chips in town. Um, so people will come, and you know, they, they, everyone knows the dealership because the fish and chip place is right there. So, you know, it's just it, we, we have to. You know, stop just doing the same thing that we always done and expect different results. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closers Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. What's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today, I got an amazing guest, guest, the drunken grape. Almost sounds like I may have had be the drunken grape today. No, but hey, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's kind of like uh, uh, Shelly... Uh... Eislinger, I think I said her last name. I'm not sure if I said her last name correctly. Always talks about the LinkedIn latte. So it's yeah. kind of our coffee chat. That's awesome. So uh, for everybody out there that uh, don't know exactly who you are and kind of what you do, if you kind of give us a couple minutes of what that origin story that is, Rob, that'd be a great place for us to start. Well, I got started uh, initially in the wine field. It was kind of interesting. So my background's in hospitality. Uh, mm-hmm. When I graduated from university, and I went back and started working on a second degree in commerce. I got about halfway through it. I got tired of being a broke student and joined the cruise line industry. So that really put me professionally for years into hospitality. Uh, at that point, I was in an entertainment uh, and I ran an auction business for an auction house on board the ship, auctioning artwork and sports memorabilia. So that'd be fun. <laughs> gives you the imp- yeah, it was a lot of fun. So it gives you the impetus of being live in front of the public and camera. So it all ties into everything that I uh, that sort of came uh, within the future of that. So mm-hmm. I'd actually delved into IT for a bit when I was got out of the uh, cruise line industry and had a company. A partner ripped us all off. Um, I have one of my partners, my partner actually, owes me a pile of money I'll never see. Um, <laughs> so I was at a crossroad, common story. So I was at a crossroad of what to do. And at the meantime, I'd picked up for the last past year and a half at that point, I was bartending at the Marriott and became the head bartender for events and banquets. Nice. So I took a break from business for about a year and just did that, made some pretty good money and just wanted to just clear my head from Mm -hmm. uh, the ashes and the rubble. So I was going to do my PMP, a project management professional. So I was over at my dad's place, my late father's place, and I grew up with him making wine and beer. And he looked at me and he said, you know, why are you going to get into a field that's just going to be downtrodden and beaten in about five years? Why don't you get into an field that's a hell of a lot more exciting and go into the wine field? So I thought about it and I said, well, you know what? That's actually not a bad idea. So there was a girl I worked with and she was in uh, part-time and she looked at me and she was a sommelier and she said, well, listen, this is the path <laughs> that you've got to take. So uh, I decided to pursue it and um, Lo and behold, it's actually worked out really well. It's funny. The only time I really listened to my dad on career advice, it actually <laughs> it paid off. Uh, lesson, lesson learned. But I think uh, a lot of it had to do with also just be growing up in that environment. So he read numerous books on wine and beer. I think on the beer side, he was the first one to pick up Michael Jackson's original book on the world 
the guide of the world guide of beer or the world of beer. I can't remember yep, the exact yep. title of it. I actually have it in my possession now. It was written in 1977. And some of his wine books went back into the late 70s, early 80s. And this is at the time where there was really only one major body that's still the gold standard in wine, wine education in the world, which would be the W set out of London, England. So, uh, yeah, so I was immersed around it and didn't realize that that would be my future. Uh, <laughs> but it definitely worked out. And, you know, ultimately, I ended up building the Drunken Grape, which I launched about four years ago. And, and that's been your opportunity to really kind of share your passion, you know, socially through content and talking with others. And so, so tell me kind of how, how that got started and, you know, uh, what, what's the production like, you know, um, just so everyone out there that doesn't know. Sure. Well, I worked with another company called Groovy Grapes before and they were thinking of closing their doors. I've been doing TV spots for them and uh, they wanted to franchise it out to me at first. I did not like the franchising terms. Um, <laughs> it was just easier to build my own brand. Mm -hmm. So I kept the TV spot when all that folded. Uh, the producer of the show at the time wanted me to still do the segments. So I had a marketing platform to leverage right away. So I was trying to think of, of a name and I was thinking Bacchus and Dionysius and, you know, all the gods of wine and Greek <laughs> yeah. and Roman uh, uh, mythology. And we're sitting down at the dinner table at Thanksgiving dinner just over four years ago. And that would be what the first Monday in October for anyone who's, you know, outside <laughs> of Canada. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, um, my stepmother turned around and said, why don't you call it the drunken grape? And we just spat out laughing. And I'm like, there's not a chance in hell that name exists. So we did an ounce search. Sure enough, it existed. So wow. I went to GoDaddy.com and bought the domain name right away. But the .ca.com wasn't available. So I just got the .ca. And I had, uh, so I, I took the name, the drunken grape. Later on, I trademarked that name. I went to the trademark office right away, right after that. A friend of mine owns a uh, copyright and trademarking firm called Kroll & Company here in Ottawa. She does great work. And uh, lo and behold, we got the trademark. And then it became a registered mark, so I actually owned the name. And then wow, what that's pretty cool. when I actually got the name, the .com I had on back order, and we tried to buy it off someone who was way out in England, off the West Coast, and they would just ignore our requests. They offered up to a thousand bucks. They kept blowing me off and eventually <laughs> they dropped it. And I picked up that back order name for $9. So see, there you go. <laughs> and that's really the impetus to it. And I kept the event side active and I've really moved much more into the media side. So videography, doing video branding for mm -hmm. wineries and breweries, because they have an amazing story to share. Like we all do for yep. the reason that we get into anything. And everything is truly unique because we are all unique as humans in our own footprints. So to bring that story to life has become part of my passion in this business, as well as the event side, uh, where you really bring the joy uh, and the history and the excitement of wine, spirits, and beer to life in front of audiences as well. So and, and that's, and that's really why I wanted to jam with you today, right? Was, is, you know, for, for us in the automotive industry, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission, all right, to prove to the industry that, you know, price is not our only story, that we have some much richer and deeper stories that need to be told. And in, in the wine and beer and spirit industry, you know, it, price is not necessarily the focus of the story. In fact, very seldomly have I ever seen that 
the focus of the story. When, when you're working with the wineries and you're, you're, or a small microbrewery, you know, what stories do you see that really help elevate or create awareness around that brand? Um, it's very interesting because that family winery has been around for six generations. Mm-hmm. However, the recent creation of Henry of Pelham has only been around for about 33 years. And it started with the father and the mother, Daniel Speck Sr. And I believe Bobby Speck, the mother. Now, Daniel Speck Sr. passed away. Mm-hmm. And the three sons run it now. And I know Daniel quite well. And you know what? They're excellent people. They're very humble. They've worked hard. And it's that raw passion that you see that they still have. They still show up to work every day. I mean, this is a multi-million dollar piece of business, 300 acres of their own vines and growing. Yet they still wake up and you still talk to him. Then he has the same excitement and passion. I'm pretty sure the other two brothers do too. I haven't chatted with them yet. But that gives you an insight and an impetus to why they got started. Um, there's a brewery up here called Flora Hall Brewery, which I also featured on my last segment for Thanksgiving on Daytime Ottawa on TV mm-hmm. locally here in Ottawa. And David Logbottom, who's got an extensive entrepreneurial background, always had a passion for beer. I mean, he's an IT guy. But uh, he traveled and lived in England for two years, has traveled extensively throughout the world and always studied the pub culture, loves the pub culture. So what he did was he brought a microbrew here that also offers its own restaurant uh, feature built in. He converted an old engineering workshop. So it just gives you an idea of how each and every, and this is just two of many examples. My friend Donald Ferguson has Teak Life down in Detroit where he's launched his own tequila line. And he started off with uh, doing video casts, bringing other people's spirits to life. And he got passionate about wow, his own cool. ideas. So he launched it to life. So it just gives you an idea that it's just fruitless and boundless and endless. Um, I mean, if you even look throughout history, Madame Vauve-Glicon became a powerhouse because she took over her uh, late husband's business at the age of 29 when he passed away. The only way that you could uh, have any kind of influence in business or, or um, in society in those days is if you were widowed, which she mm-hmm. was. And uh, the backstory to that is phenomenal. I mean, it, it's just an endless repertoire of amazing stories. And I'm pretty sure uh, you see this. And that's, and that's what the consumer wants. But that's what exactly the, we, what want, we want something to chew on, you know, and it's, it's yeah. you know, the, the passion behind the product, but the story behind the product. Because, you know, True. once we're told that story, all right, uh, we can actually, you know, own a portion of that story. Because True. in the same way that you're, expressing the story to me in passion, there's a level of ownership that you have in that story. It's like you're excited to share the story with others. And Absolutely. You know, and you think about it, it's our oldest way of learning. Before we wrote things, everything was based on an oral tradition. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if you look at the poem Beowulf back uh, in old medieval English, I mean, that was an oral tradition that finally found pen to paper. But it was passed around for generations orally. People knew the tale of Beowulf yep. and how he slayed Grendel and uh, the whole. And I mean, I'm just giving a, a warped, uh, I guess, twisted just view <laughs> of, of how it is or just a very unique one. But at any rate, it is the stories. And I mean, it's yeah. the same reason, you know, with yourself, why you've taken the automotive industry live with podcasts and video feeds because you have a passion. There's a story to tell in, uh, into why each dealer got started or how these cars came to be. I mean, everything that we touch and do has a phenomenal story behind it. 
yeah so it's it's the way, it's the way we put that story out there but it's like That's i'd right. even i even want to go back to the pub in ottawa because i think there's there's another story there that i'm beginning to see more of as as well and and even the last time i was i was in niagara on the lake uh visiting some of the wineries the experience is in some cases probably um more important than in the wine itself sometimes um, you know, I'm just seeing, you know, the, the amount of money that's being put into, you know, these experiences into, um, what was the name of the, of the pub up in Ottawa again? Flora Hall Brewery. Okay. Flora uh, you Hall, know, Brewery I, Hall, I believe is the exact name of it, but it's, it's right downtown in center town. So, I mean, he's been ingenious that he has captured a captive audience and he was willing to pay for prime real estate to do so. And it was ingenious because as soon as you open the doors, the place filled up. It's, it's an experience. It's, it's something that I yes. get to experience. Once I get to experience, thus I get to create my own story. Now I get to share that story, that story with others. Um, I mean, when we think of it, like, let's put it into like a business strategy for a moment there, right? I mean, how many microbreweries approximately in Ontario? Do you know? Lots. Thousands? I mean, uh, I don't know if it'd be thousands. There's 40 alone in Ottawa. Okay, so let's just go Ottawa. So, because I'm trying to really kind of translate this out. At to least 40. Right? There's around approximation of 40. I think the last count was 38, but there's, I guarantee there's probably a couple that's popped up since that count was actually done a couple, uh, like a year ago. So, let, so let's, let's, let's say there's say like 40. 40 some odd, 40 some yeah. odd microbreweries in Ottawa, right? And, you know, look, um, beer, there are definitely differences in quality and time and passion that it puts into the beer. But at the end of the day, it's still beer. It's still beer. All right. But, you know, it, it's no different kind of in the automotive industry. Like here in the GTA, we have 32 Nissan stores, right? We have 32 Nissan stores. A, a, a consumer has all the, selling the same product, all selling the exact same product, right? And, and in a sense, you have 40 some odd microbreweries that are all selling the same product, right? There's going to be some subtle differences and stuff. Obviously, I don't want to discount that. But, you know, they are selling beer. Right. So at the end of the day, the consumer has that option of where they're going to go to. And if we don't take that time to kind of develop out that experience, then how do we really separate or, or differentiate ourselves, differentiate ourselves from, you know, our competition? Yeah. And, and that has to do with the passion and the story that goes behind the reason of starting in the first place. I would think that would be a huge part of it. And the other part of it is the service levels that you bring to the table. So let's talk a little bit about that because I find that, you know, in automotive, we know that it's important, but it's kind of like more of a knowing, not necessarily like more of an embracing, but in the wine and beer and spirit industry and the hospitality industry, it's, it's literally a way of life. It is. It, it's, you, don't, you don't have an option. You don't. <laughs> you have to deliver. And uh, beyond just the amazing creation from vine to bottle or grain to bottle, uh, either way you look at it, grape to grain, in the comparison, whatever the magic comes out in the end result is either the ingenious uh, ingenuity, rather, of the mm. winemaker or the brewmaster. From that point on, once you've got a great product, as Nissan has great cars, it's, uh, it's how it's taken care of and handled. Is the supply line managed well? Yep. Is it that I can go in and, uh, upon request, make my order and it's delivered in a timely fashion? Is it available on shelf space? In your case, is it available in the car lot? Um, you can do a lot of cross comparisons here. And it really comes down to deliverables and serviceability once you actually have created an excellent product. 
That's very true. And, I mean, and one of the yeah. places I have found that I would, there are so many similarities, but one of the places that I would really like dealerships to embrace that the wine and beer industry has embraced is this level of patience around strategy. You know, I, I've sat down uh, with a, a bunch of different brewmasters and, and winemakers and, you know, they put forth strategy of what they want that beer to be, what they eventually want the flavor profiles of that wine to become, you know, and they have to put these together and be patient and wait yeah. for these things okay. to kind of evolve on their own. Yeah. I mean, you can get, for instance, you could take a great batch of Baco Noir or Riesling or Cabernet Sauvignon, you're creating a blend. Um, to get it right is a lot of actual exact experimentation to make it happen. Um, the same thing with beer. Uh, you know, what, what malts do I use? What yeast strains do I use? And what, mm -hmm. hop, what hop varietals do I use? Uh, how long do I boil it for? How long does it <laughs> ferment? What type of water, hard water, soft water? Uh, I mean, with grapes, it's much the same thing. Uh, what kind of cask do I use if I age it? Am I going to use old oak? What type of old oak? Is it going to be first use to fifth use? Is it going to be imparted with some French new oak? or American? Exactly. Like <laughs> you've got, you've got it. You got it. You're, you're exactly there, right. There, there's so, so many nuances that go into it. And so what I would love for dealerships to kind of take away from this is, is that commitment. All right. To what I would say more of the operations of how that product is going to evolve is the same. Like I want to see that level of commitment kind of at the dealership. You know, the, the desire to, you know, you know, I don't think there's a single wine maker out there or a brewmaster that is never not trying to make it better, you know? True. Like that, they're that, always. That, that, that's an absolute fact. It's the same thing with a, with a top-notch chef in a kitchen preparing it, a meal. They're always, always pushing, always pushing. Something to make that they're pushing the barrier all the time. Um, well, partly with dealerships too, in the automotive industry, my experience being, and having lots of friends involved in it, and we all know people that have sold cars. Um, a lot of them on the lot get too bent into monthly quotas and the, and the transaction of it. Yep. And the trouble with that whole sales model is it removes trying to perfect and then really roll out a sales platform that rockets because you actually fully understand the nuts and bolts of it. And you literally have spent time cultivating relationships to do it. Yeah, some of the takeaways are patience and service. And instead of just focusing on getting those cars out one by one by one, but get them in, get them out in a car. Um, focus that's just, on that's just the product, right? I mean, it's the, the experience is also a product, you know, so Absolutely. To, 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 the, well, to you, the point of, you know, you, uh, the gentleman up in Ottawa with the pub, right? I mean, it, the beer is a product, but the experience is also the product. Now, yeah. in some cases, the experience yes. can actually uh, have more value um, the to the product. consumer than the actual product that you sell in the first Absolute, place. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's that his uh, brewmaster, Ron, in his case, is terrific. They've created awesome beer. But the experience when you go in there has this warm, vibrant, alive atmosphere. And in the background, you can see the beer brewing. I mean, it's cool. And it just brings to life the old tavern that used to exist where they made their own beer and they sold it to support the ongoing uh, development of the tavern. Yep. Um, it would be neat to see some type of uh, 
I don't know how you do it in cars, but it would be cool if you could put it, for instance, a simulator where if you didn't get to test drive that car today, you can just jump in a simulator with virtual reality and start cruising and carousing around. Maybe I just thought of something and we can get on to it. But, it's, <laughs> well, but, but, but it to the point, it's an experience. There has yeah, to be Yeah, so it experience. brings this whole We have to go beyond just the product. We have to create an experience. And yeah, can you imagine going into a dealership and testing out all these cars through VR and AR? And it's just going, wow, I want to come back. This is awesome. You got to yeah. check this dealership out. Look at the service. Look at what they're offering. That's over and above everyone else. And how sales would just go through the roof. And it's because you've enhanced that experience. And I think our industry can learn that from your guys's industry. Like we yeah. can learn like, over the years, I've seen more and more of that. I've seen more microbreweries that have kind of pubs attached to them. I've seen more wineries open up event spaces and restaurants and, you know, small uh, meat and cheese shops that go in, to go with their wine you know it's it's just like if you're going to drink our wine you're going to drink our beer we want you to also have that experience and i believe that the consumer can see some, in some cases more value than in the experience than in the product itself yeah it's, it's funny that you hit on that because 13th street for instance in niagara is known for its uh it's uh, butter tarts oh, okay no i really? went by there they were rammed <laughs> i wanted to go and see them the time i was down at henry of pelham they're literally maybe six blocks away you can drive over there maybe a mile maybe i'm exaggerating but it's a very short journey and not only they're known for some of their varietals but they're also known for butter tarts and people go for butter butter tarts but (laughs) it's part of the experience like you're saying where they added in the kitchen and the restaurant and the event space they've certainly gotten very smart at this or you go in the tasting room the tasting room could look like an old 19th century basement that's all decked out yeah. And like a yeah. seller in itself. So you're right. They've created, they've done an excellent job as has David Longbottom with Floral Hall Brewery here in Ottawa to create that experience because a lot of them still fall in the same model. And these are breweries that are much more guilty of this, of getting a warehouse and the brewing operations and mm-hmm. industrial parts of the city. <laughs> yep. And what David did was he totally capitalized on getting an urban center and saying, no chance. Because he had money already, he could afford to pump it out, but it was very smart. He's spending double the dollars to have the space. I think he even owns the building now, but double the dollars meant 10 times the sales. Yes. Just by creating that old school environment that I can go outside, go out of my condo or apartment. You got to remember the demographics of a downtown core. People our age, single or coupled professionals, no kids uh, predominantly, you get the educational academic crowd in there. Um, these people, the political crowd here in Ottawa, and all these people love pubs. Mm-hmm. Pubs boom. And what cooler concept than to have a pub that makes its own excellent beer. And he was smart enough to put some good wine offerings in there too to counterbalance it. So it was to, um, that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to use somebody or an enhancer, add somebody else's product offering that can really help you too. Yeah, we, we just have to find that unique, that unique experience. I have a, I have a dealership up north that has a fish and chip um, hut, I guess. More That's of, like, smart as hell. And, and it's, on, it's on the lot. And, and awesome. the funny thing is it, they're known for having the best fish and chips in town. Um, so people will come and, you know, they, they, everyone knows the dealership because the fish and chip place is right there. So, you know, it's just 
it, we, we have to, you know, stop just doing the same thing that we always done and expect over and over results. Again. You know, it's like, it's getting a little ridiculous. We really need to embrace what an experience is. And I think that if uh, dealerships lean in and see what is going on in your guys's industry and in the, microbrewery industry and the winery industry that they can get some good ideas from that hey rob um i, I know you got to get going so i want to thank you so much for your time today listen, i really appreciate is, you jamming with me this is awesome i've had a great time jamming with you i think you got a great concept going here bringing everything to life meshing it into support your industry and and at the same time collaborating with other industries i think this is awesome Thanks, Rob. I appreciate that. Hey, for everyone who's listening or watching and they would love to connect with you and learn more about what you do, what is the best way to do so? Well, they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. I am also on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page, The Drunken Grape, uh, which you can like and follow. Uh, I do have my website, www.thedrunkengrape.com, and I believe they can reach me through info at thedrunkengrape.com. So there's many mediums to reach out for sure. Um, I am on Instagram as well, but I'm not as active. I found the other two platforms have done way better for me. And I mean, that's really, it depends on your personal style as to what works for you, but there's many ways that they can reach out. That's awesome. Hey again, Rob, thank you so much for your time today. That was a lot of fun. Hey, listen, thank you very much for having me. I feel blessed to be here. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, cheers. Thanks, Jason. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, have a great day.